0: Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Well, I want to introduce our very uh, special speaker uh, to us today Uh, Ernest Anderson. I don't know whether we've really met too many times before, here and there, at bus stops (laughs) and terminals, things like that, but I want to uh, present to you today um, a man of God who is, I believe, going to speak right into the heart of our journey as a church, and it's great to have Joan here as well. I gave them a bad postcode for their sat-nav, so they ended up somewhere over the rainbow last night, but somehow they found their way to the hotel. I'd really booked for them, so I thank God for that. It's the same postcode we've been giving out to all the speakers over the years. So Maybe they've all gone to the wrong place, I don't know. But I want you to um, just open up your your spirit uh, to the Spirit of God, and uh, I believe the Lord will speak to us as a church, but also maybe into your family and into your life. As we receive the man of God today. So, Ernest, please come. It's great to have you come. And why don't you welcome him as he comes? The Lord bless you. Thank you very much for that very
1: lovely, warm invitation. We have been to Cambridge many years ago when it was a very, very small assembly, being when Pastor Woodford was here and also when another pastor was here. Uh, I forget his name, just slipped my mind. Uh, So, We rejoice in all that God has been doing for you in this place, and it's good to be able to say to you, the best is yet to be. You've just started what God is going to do in a greater measure amongst you. I met my wife in 1950 when I was a conscientious objector, and I led her to the Lord, (laughs) not many Men can say they've had that joy of leading their own sweetheart and wife to the Lord. And this July we will have been married 59 years. So God willing, next year we might receive, if the Queen is still alive, a greeting card from Buckingham Palace. Who knows? So the Lord has been very good to us. We have three children, nine grandchildren, and uh, the Lord two great-grandchildren. So so we. The Lord has fulfilled all my desires. When I was an 18-year-old boy, I remember asking the Lord to send the right lady into my life, never realizing he would use me to lead her to the Lord. I remember the night in the open air, I challenged her about giving her life to Christ. She said to me, Well, I never could live like you. I said, Well, it's not me, it's Christ. When Christ comes into the life he makes the difference. And so that night, she, she was a farm foreman's daughter. And she was converted, she says, at the Piggery Gate. <laughs> and then we lived our first year in a converted cow shed. And she says she's worked like a horse ever since. <laughs> so that's my wife's brief testimony. The Lord has been good to us. We've been in the work of God for 50 years. Seven years in the Assemblies of God Fellowship, pastoring six rather large churches. Dean of our Assemblies of God Bible College for five and a half years. And the last 15 years have been years of supposed retirement. I felt the Lord say at 65, don't just go on, there are other people that can fill the bill. I have something more for you. God will never show you something more until you're prepared to give up what you're doing. Did you know that? And so he called us to a Barnabas role. And so the past 15 years have possibly been the happiest years of our lives as we've been serving the Lord in the homeland and abroad. Uh, God challenged me six, seven years ago. I didn't know anything about a computer at 65. And my son gave me one graciously, gave me a little bit of information. Then a young man in our church helped me to develop. And then he came along and said, I want to put you on your own website. I hadn't even a clue what a website was. I thought it had to do with spiders. (laughs) He came and gave us two hours of tuition and then left me to it. And so the Lord has helped me because over the past six years, Uh, I now have this website, and 102,000 blogs have been on that site. I've developed 22 subjects which I put on week by week. And then also, I was challenged by Facebook 18 months ago. I didn't know much about that, people putting messages on every day. And I saw such rubbish, I thought, what people put on? And the Lord says, you can change that, put a prophetic word on. Right at the beginning of every day. And that has proved to be a blessing worldwide. I have some amazing people come on and say, Ernest, that was a word right into my situation today. So God can use us. And the latter life has been very fulfilling. I think I've been able to raise over £20,000 for missions. We have a computer school of 10 computers in Uganda opened up to help the new pastors. They're opening, I think, two or three churches a week in Uganda, and it really needs uh, those who come into leadership to receive help. So we were able to provide that. And then also I discovered... In Kampala there was such a great need and the pastor said, Ernest, we need some sewing machines so that we can open a sewing school. So we've provided that. And so women folk are constantly being trained so that they can uh, make garments and so sustain their families. And then a man from Pakistan When he saw my website, he said, you know, I'd like to be able to translate some of your material into Urdu in Pakistan. I'd like to open a site. So our church at home, uh, they came behind me. And so for 30 pounds a month, we pay this man. And now we have a wonderful site in Pakistan. And so the gospel and help has been given to Countless leaders in Pakistan through the website. So we're never too old for God to get hold of us and use us. I'm still excited, nearly 8 to 1. That God is still something in the future. God has never finished with us. We can finish, we can throw in the sponge and the towel at any time, but I want to go home to glory in good fettle at my best, doing my best in later life and achieving the best in later life. So I've come to encourage you this morning. I believe that God has certainly given me a word to pass on to you. Uh, I can't get it out of my system, I'm sure you're ready for it. Just before I went to sleep last night, I was just praying about today. And somehow I felt the Lord just give me a few prophetic words to commence what I've got to say. He said to me that this day would be a time of ignition and initiation. Thanking you, believing that what God has started, He wants to promote. In a greater way amongst you. He's going to put a great match to the fire. A key in to make. uh, uh, Into the vehicle. So that you can have a throbbing start. And to move into gear. God is saying I'm going to open you up in a greater way. Have you prepared to let him. God will never crash. He's saying he will never crash. Into your life, there has to be a continual openness to Him, whatever He wants to do. And I feel He's saying, I want to initiate and create something bigger, something greater in your life and in your work. A fresh day, a new beginning, where you awake to the reality of a new moment, of a new movement, of a, and also greater management of God in your affairs and I feel that you're on the threshold of great conquests and blessings hallelujah I believe that God hasn't finished with you yet in fact what he's been doing is all preparatory work I found that in 80 years of being saved 67 years that it's all preparatory for the glorious day when he returns because he's got something bigger up there when we arrived there, but now it's all about graduation, moving on, continually moving on into something more. I was just brought up in an ordinary secondary school, never obtained any great educational honors, but I'm so glad, friends, and God saved me and called me And I was prepared to respond all through the years. It's just been opening up and opening up and opening out. And I want to say that that's the way that God wants to deal with you. Amen. to sow in you an expectancy or hope. No matter where you are this morning, God God is saying I've got something bigger and better. Hallelujah. And, And I have a number of young men that I... Have great relationships with and they're all doing tremendous work for God in the United Kingdom and even abroad you know Nathan Morris he was backslidden in Cambridge we were in the church with his mum and dad prayed for him saw him restored along with Philip and then see saw what God has done with both of them and we still relate to them pray for them and believe that even they've got a God has got a bigger mandate on their lives. Hallelujah. Say with me that God has a bigger mandate on my life. God has bigger things to bring about. And as that happens in you, it will invade this church and make it a church that will not only be recognized in Cambridge, but throughout the country and the whole wide world. Well, there's a verse of scripture in Ecclesiastes which says this, to everything... There is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. You will know that God governs things in schedule. There are time schedules as well as eternal schedules in the mind and the working of God. We live in a world that is governed by times, by seasons, by days, by weeks, by months, by years, by seasons, spring, summer, autumn, and winter. That's how life is governed from a natural standpoint. But It's also true to say that we have to see our life through God's eyes, And that there are seasons within our lives that God seeks to work and do things on a greater scale. Sometimes we have to go through a winter period. Then we have to go through a spring season when things start to germinate and spring to life we thought was dead. But God has something more to create and produce within us than the golden glory of summer when everything has blossomed out. And then a return to winter where there is a time of death and decadence and maybe we think is all up, but really it's all part of a process for something bigger yet to be in manifestation. You will know this morning that Jesus Christ lived his life according to a prophetic timetable. Amen. He was born at the right time. He was reared in the right place. And when he came to 30, it was the time for him to embark upon his mission. And then for three and a half years, there was that great ministry of calling men in preparation for them to commence his church. There came the ultimate, as we know, in the schedule of things, the offering himself on the cross, his resurrection and his ascension. It all worked according to plan. And Jesus made sure that he worked out his time schedule according to what God wanted. He sets the pattern for you and me. Amen. He wants you to fall in line with all that God has determined. And it's good to say within the schedule of God, it is ordering, there are great displays of his immeasurable, indescribable goodness. And it's good for us to know and have our faith settled, our doctrine assured, what God has in mind, not just for now, but eternally. Paul says in Ephesians that in the ages to come. Think of that, I didn't say the age to come, it's the ages to come. Eternity is just the unveiling of age after age after age of the indescribable grace and favor of God. If you think God is being good to you tonight, today, wait for what is yet to come. Because God is going to overload his whole family with his favor eternally. And he's got some wonderful surprises laid up for all those who love him. Amen. Heaven is a place to be coveted because that's where God is. The Father in all his love, grace and bounty is going to disclose all that he has planned from eternity past to be manifested amongst his royal household. Aren't we in for big things? Heaven is a wonderful place. But thank God that even here on earth he wants the short time that we have to display his favour. In the Acts of the Apostles, it speaks about times of refreshing coming from the presence of the Lord. Whatever the Lord has been doing in Cambridge, and we rejoice, is just setting you up for something more. The refreshing of the past is just a kind of an indication of the greater refreshing that is yet to come. And so he wants your life to be built in faith and assurance with a keen sense of anticipation. The dispensation of the grace of God is amongst you. You know, one of the words I like is opportunity. Opportunity is looked upon as a seasonable, convenient, and favorable moment for certain things to be done and transpire. God has in his calendar of things moments, times, seasons when he wants to be especially good to his offspring. When he wants to spring some choice surprises. Just as we are found as parents and grandparents and now as great-grandparents, we do like to surprise our children. My wife likes to surprise me Often she goes to town, and when she comes back, she brings me something special. I don't know what it's going to be, but, you know, when you're filled with that kind of thing, and you know, God our Father is filled with an overwhelming desire to see his family blessed. Amen. He wants you to enjoy a good life, and to see much more than you've ever seen taking place. And he wants you to see the opportunity, the God-given moment when he wants to bring certain things into being. I understand that the word opportunity is a nautical term. It's used of the old-fashioned boats that had sails that were governed by the wind. When they came to the harbour, when it was flat, there was no kind of breeze They used to just cast anchor outside the harbour. And then they waited, waited, waited for the gentle breeze to arise and then the wind to blow. Then up went the sails, up came the anchor and they moved into the harbour under the power of the wind. They took that moment, realised this was a, this is what they had been looking for. What are you looking for this morning, friends? What are you wanting out of life? What are you wanting to be in the church? What do you want to see coming to pass at this particular juncture in your experience? Well, the wise saying says, in everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. God-given moments. God wants you to see what is happening in your life. And then be ready for something fresh to be initiated. I'd like this to be an initiation service this morning. When God is speaking to your mind and heart. And he gets into your mind and heart, but then he goes a bit further It gets into your will with a sense of expectancy. And you say, yes, this is my hour. This is my moment. This is what I have been waiting for. Hallelujah. I hope you've got that inside of you this morning. Because the remaining verses, the number of them, there's 28 Things speaking of a time for this and a time for that and a time for the other. But I'm going to speak about some of the things that God is setting you up for. (laughs) I've come to set you up this morning in God. That something choice that your pastor said is going to happen today besides receiving new glasses. Yes, the set time for God. fulfill his great promises do you know there's a time when God drops a word into your heart of assurance of the thing that he is going to do and then somehow along the track it doesn't happen immediately as you would think but can go over not only weeks and months but even years and sometimes we think God has forgotten. Or he made a mistake in the first instance. No friends. God sows things in the mind and the heart. He not only gives them at an appropriate time. He has the exact moment in his schedule when he is going to bring that thing into being. Because what he is trying to build in you is faith. Trust. Trust in himself, patience in order to wait for the exact moment when he will bring it to pass. After all, he did that with a 75-year-old man, Abraham. He told him he was going to be a father. His wife, Sarah, had already passed the privilege of bearing children. There was no seed could be produced through her from a natural standpoint but God promised him a miracle he promised him something extraordinary beyond the laws of human nature he said that dead womb of Sarah is going to spring to life one day and she is going to have her own baby she's going to cradle her own infant and then God put it on hold Till Abram was 100 years of age, 25 years went by. It's a long time, isn't it? Keeping somebody, waiting for the fulfillment. But God does that because he loves us in an extraordinary way and he wants to prove to us, himself to us in an extraordinary way. When things have reached absolute impossibility, God says, I am the God of all impossibility. Amen. Hallelujah. And it says in Genesis 21, when the set time was come, Sarah produced Isaac. <laughs> I want to tell you, friends she was wait, waiting for, must be because she called him Isaac, which means laughter. You know, everybody had a good laugh over that. Yes, even her friends, when they came and said, is that your great-grandson? No, it's my son. I'm sure the eyes must have popped out of the air. Do you know, friends, God wants to do extraordinary miracles for you? And if he could do that for Abraham, we are the sons and daughters Of Abraham this morning. At least I am. And God says. I want to do the impossible for you. Even though everything has gone past. By cell date. (laughs) I'm going to do it. And you can recall this morning. It's not for me to do that. God has dropped something in your heart. Over the years. I remember God telling Jonah and I one day we would be pastor of a certain church. They came to us a number of times to go and pastor that church, but we didn't feel it was the right time. And then when we left Bible college, the door opened and we said, this is it, the right time. And we went to fulfill an engagement there for a number of years. You see, God is a, he wants to prove himself to you. Prove himself as a personal God. So, he's given you promises. But I want to say he's going to give you more. Open your heart, friends. There's a time and season when God fulfills his promises. There's a time, too, when God produces radical change within our lives. We may think we're all right. But if we could see ourselves through the eyes of God... We, may, we would realize there needs to be, at times, some fundamental shift in our nature. We've got used to ourselves and got used to our Christian experience and possibly think we've made it and we're there. No, no, friends. God is always seeking to do a deeper and greater work in our characters. He's always wanting to deposit so much more himself in us that we become more like him. That we change from glory to glory. We move from the old nature which is corrupt and carnal and we move into the divine nature where more and all of God becomes revealed in us. Would you agree with that? And that means en route, great change. Great change and it may well be now that God is working on you and saying, come on, th- this needs to go, that needs to go because I want to replace it with something better that you will become a better man, a better woman, that, th- that you can become more useful and more effective than me for me because you have become that. He's, I see, I have set my stall by the grace of God. I'm not egoistic. I want to be the best husband that ever could be to my wife. I want to be the best pastor that's ever been on the scene. I want to entertain the best of relationships with people. I want to attain a high standard of quality conduct that God is pleased with. That I can pass the test of the Almighty. And sometimes he he has to come and say, there's still things, Ernest, that need to be radically changed. He came to Jacob, didn't he? (laughs) What a a character Jacob was. What he did to his brother Esau. What he did to his uncle Laban. And uh, it it seemed as if God was letting him escape from what he was. But then there came a moment, Pino. (laughs) He met God one night And he was never, ever to be the same again. God gave him a name change from being a twister to becoming Israel Prince with God. Hallelujah. Isn't it good to move up a scale? Move up a scale with God where your standing with God is greater than it's ever been. Amen. That's what we should be attaining for. And and, and possibly this morning, God is saying, I'm going to do something uh, deeper, greater work within you. Be ready for it. Be open for it. Ask God to do it. Because if he can make a better man and better woman of you, you're going to be of greater service to himself. Amen. God isn't here to chastise us and hammer us to the ground. No. All the time, graciously, by his Holy Spirit, by his word, his ringing changes. There was a chorus came out in 1980 with the house church. It impacted me immensely. Jesus, you are changing me. By your spirit, you're making me like you. Jesus, you are changing me that your loveliness may be seen in all I do. You're the potter. I'm the clay. Help me to be willing to let you have your way. Jesus, you are changing me as I let you reign supreme within my heart. You may feel a little bit disappointed as you look in yourself to this morning. But I want to say, God is at work in you. He's saying, come on. And today is the season of real radical change. A time for dreams to be realized. And glad friends, it's possible to have divine dreams. I believe we're going to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit where people are going to see dreams, have dreams. Joseph was a dreamer, but there were divine dreams that he had. He had to wait a long time, didn't he? Did he not? Or the dream to... In fact, it looked as if his dreams came crashing to the ground especially when he was flung into prison in Egypt, there seemed no likelihood of that dream coming to fruition. I love this story. There's a man by the name Jack Canfield. He writes a lot of book stories with divine in, input in it. And he tells of the time that he was visiting a friend by the name of Monty Roberts, who had a very big ranch, a very big house and horses and he was able to take young men there for a break, and it became a fundraising event. And he said, the last time he visited Monty Roberts, he said, "I'd like to tell you a story and the people here tonight about this ranch that I have." He said, "I want to tell you about a young man who used to go about with his father. He was an itinerant horse trainer. And it meant going from stable to stable to help various ones, race track to race track, farm to farm and ranch to ranch training horses. As a result, the boy's high school career was continually interrupted. And when he was a senior, he was asked to write a paper what he wanted to be and what do when he grew up. That night he wrote a seven page paper describing the goal of someday owning a horse ranch. He wrote about his dream in great detail and even drew a diagram of a 200-acre ranch showing the location of all the buildings, the stables and the track. Then he drew a detailed floor plan for a 4,000-square-floor house that would sit on the 200-acre dream ranch, acre ranch. He put a great deal of hard into the project and the next day he handed it in to his teacher. Two days later he received the paper back. On the front page was a large red F with a note that read, See me after class. The boy with the dream went to see the teacher after class and asked, Why did I receive an F? The teacher said, This is an unrealistic dream for a young boy like you. You have no money. You come from an itinerant family. You have no resources. Owning a horse ranks requires a lot of money. You have to buy the land. You have to pay the original breeding stock. And later you'll have to pay large stud fees. There's no way you could ever do it. Then the teacher added, If you will rewrite this paper with a more realistic goal, I will consider your grade. The boy went home thought about it long and hard, asked his dad what he should do. Son, you have to make up your own mind on this. However, I think it's a very important decision for you. Finally, after sitting it with it for a week, the boy turned in the same paper, making no changes. And so he stated to his teacher, you can keep the F and I'll keep my dream. Monty then turned to the assembled group and said, I tell you this story because you are sitting in my 4,000-square-foot house in the middle of the 200-acre horse ranch. I still have the school paper framed over the fireplace. He added, the best part of the story is that two summers ago, that same school teacher brought 30 kids to camp onto my ranch for a week when the teacher was leaving, he said, Look, Monty, I can tell you this now when I was your teacher. I was something of a dream stealer. During those years, I stole a lot of kids' dreams. Fortunately, you had enough gumption not to give up on yours. God wants you to dream. Amen? I've been praying for dreams. I pray that God will cast. A spirit of dreaming over this place. Wholesome dreams. Good dreams from the Lord. That God will show you who you are. What he has implanted in terms of potential within you. How through his grace and providence such will be released. And you will become a man, and woman with a ministry and service that will impact Cambridge. Amen. So the time appointed, and if you've got a dream, don't let it die. Begin to allow God to outwork it. There's a time and season for major deliverance. I believe our country is in a mess, and I'm sure the Christian world and leaders in our country, as I read Christian concern, uh, there's a great burden that we will turn our nation back in a mighty spiritual way. And I, as I look over the country. God is doing some very unique things. Amongst leaders and churches. It's not all. With thrown that towel in. Thank God because there is a new spirit in emerging. And salvation friends belongs to the Lord. Amen. And God can work deliverance. In a unique way. He did it with the Moses. 400 years, Israel had been slaves of Egypt, and it looked as if that would be ongoing. But God interrupted. He found one man who we could bring about the deliverance of over 3 million slaves just like that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And in a wonderful way, we read the story in the book of Exodus, how God saved Israel with a mighty deliverance. Is our God a God of deliverance today? Let's not minimize him. Let's not you know, go into our shell And throw in the sponge and think, oh, we we just give in to what's happening in the world outside. I believe our world is waiting to see the church arise and awake and become the power that it should be. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. Hallelujah. And I believe the city is a major factor in the mind of God. And who knows what you have to play in bringing salvation on a greater front. You see, God just takes seemingly of ordinary people at times and makes them extraordinary overnight. Moses, 40 years in the backside of the desert, he thought it was all up. Then God stepped in. I've got a lovely book called Then God Stepped In. Amen. Let us in Cambridge this morning be amongst the people who will see then God stepped in and showed what he could do in an extraordinary way. Hallelujah. Thank God he... He made the way through the Red Sea. He looked after them for 40 years in the wilderness and then took them further. And this morning, friends, I believe that God wants to start initiating Peter, Jane, great deliverances in this church. Amen? Don't look just for the nominal to take part. Begin to expect the unique and the extraordinary Because God is going to save some incredible people. Hallelujah. And then there comes that time and season of possession. I'm glad, friends, God wants you and me to be an inheritor. Amen. Amen. He wants you to lay hold of a choice inheritance. As you know, you have to salute Joshua and Caleb. For 40 years, they were with a grumbling crowd, and yet they maintained their spirit, and they were in a fit mind and mood for God to use them to take Israel into the promised land. And you know, God—can I say—God has a promised land for King's Church. Amen. He—he he has something extra for you to move into in terms of blessing. There may be giants in the land, but thank God they can be slain. And you can turn out to be more than a conqueror because the Lord is with you to fight the battles. What will it reverse 32 of Romans 8 is? If God spared not his own son, but delivered him up to the cross for us all, How shall he not with him freely give us not some things, all things? You're on a winner this morning, friends. If God could take a Joshua and a Caleb into the land of promise, if God could take the apostolic band and cause the church to immediately become planted and thrive and prosper, and the book of Acts is all about God and growth and blessing, is it not? Isn't that our pattern? Amen. And he's setting you up. (laughs) I really believe he's setting you up to become a people known as possessors. Hallelujah. He wants you to inherit in a greater way. And then, I really believe this, there comes the season when God, and it's all been referred to this morning, where there is the birth of the prophetic. Not the pathetic, but the prophetic. That means God starts giving you his inward, into your life, into your situations, and into this church in a more detailed way. Do you believe that can happen? You see, there came, little did Hannah know when she was going through the time when she wanted a child and seemed to be deprived. She hung in there, and she believed there would be a season when she would be nurturing a, a baby in her own womb. And it happened. But what a baby! He was worth waiting for. Peninnah could have them like I don't, hot cakes. But she had to wait. But God gave her a wonderful son, Samuel, who became the beginning of a great line of prophets. And he was the man with the inward to the kings, to the nation. And I believe, you see, in every church there must be the prophetic. Hallelujah. Where God is saying things. You've got a very choice young fellow with Philip. He was up recently and I was at the funeral of his grandfather. And spoke powerfully. And we were chatting together and he he said to me, Ernest, he said, I'm always looking at Facebook on the prophetic word and I really get a lot out of it. And so he shared with me, he said, you know, but I'm not satisfied. I I really want to move in a greater realm. So I said, let me pray for you. And as I prayed, God gave me a prophetic word over him that things would begin to happen. (laughs) Just a week ago, his mother was in our car going to church to pray for us. And she said, Ernest, she said, Philip just told me an incredible story you will know about it, about the builder. I I thought, that warmed my heart. I thought, well, I prophesied that into him. And now God is breaking out in and through him in your midst in a greater way. I want to say, get near to him. Let him pray over you because that same spirit that's on him can come into you and your life can take on greater significance because God is going to use you not just to speak into the life of the church but to the life of the people in the outside world. Amen. Do you believe that? You see, it only needs one of us to bring another one you've got a you've got a problem seating. Haven't you? And we all need to be galvanized energized. We need to have revelation flowing from God into our minds so that we can speak right into it and minister right into situations. So I believe, Peter, God's going to give you the birth of the prophet in a greater measure. Are you up for that this morning? Yes. Seek it, because I believe God has sent me to tell you that set time has come for that to happen. And the set time, I could go on because there's about 20 odd things there. The set time for the double portion. Hallelujah. I'm glad, friends, God wants to bless. But I believe he wants to bless in an overwhelming way. I don't believe he wants to just give a meager portion. I believe he wants your desires and longings They say, God, whatever you've got laid up for me, I want. And I want my life to be opened up in such a degree that you'll give me more than I could even comprehend. We need the Elisha spirit. He believed a set time had come, didn't he? He knew that Elijah was going to pop off. He'd be there with him when it happens. He said, don't you ask me to leave me. I'm going to be with you right till you go. And so he went over the waters of Jordan with him. And then Elijah popped the question, what do you want, Elijah? I want us twice as much as what you've had. How hungry are you this morning? How hungry are you as a church? Do you really want to see this blessed place baptized and blessed and overflowing and running over with the Power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Well, you've got to have a heart for that. John and I, we just sit at night watching and listening stuff instead of switched on to the stuff of the world. We, sit, we become more switched on to God. We realize if we we're going to make any impact and greater contribution in the church at this time, We've got to be at our best. We've got to move in under a greater anointing. That's sacrifice. If you want something bigger and better, God is going to demand much more from you. That's what I tell you as a preacher this morning. But God says it's worth it. How many of you would like the mantle of Elisha? To see twice as much happening. You don't become envious of what's happening in other places because it's all happening here it's all taking place here because God is blessing you in an incredible way is using you to bring blessing to other people just like Elijah he performed twice as much miraculously than Elijah did he was able to move into ordinary circumstances, widows and such like, and God alone knows we need to be doing that in our community Not just people dependent upon the state. We're dependent on God this morning. That God wants to do the unusual. And the set time has come for this church to receive a further mantling of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So that's it, friends. The time, the season is here. Don't put it off. We used to use the word many years ago, procrastinate. (laughs) I used to wonder what it meant. It means to put off to another time. God is saying to each one of you this morning, it's now. Now or never. I want you to move into anything that I have referred to this morning. To believe God's promise. To enter into a greater change of life. To start seeing your dreams fulfilled. Hallelujah. To see, wouldn't it be wonderful for somebody, uh, John Wilkinson was on Facebook, he said, uh, in London this week, Friday night, he said, a woman got out of the wheelchair and walked. Wouldn't it be nice for people come like that without ado? do? Miracles, deliverances. He wants you to move. He wants you to become a possessor, an inheritor. Of all that's good, he wants you to become prophetic. Hallelujah! I started prophesying when I was 14. It's a long time ago, and I've said, "Lord, switch it up." Not less. I want to. I want to speak more than ever into people's lives. You speak into my life, and you need to speak into everybody. And I believe He's just sent me. Thank you, Peter, Jane, for inviting me. I believe the set time has come for something major to start happening in this church. Amen? Amen. A double portion of God's Spirit. I'd like to pray for you as I conclude. You know what area of life God is dealing with you. I'm not here to try and make things happen. Only God can make things happen. you say this morning, Pastor, you've touched upon something in my life. I'm not just there where I ought to be, but I want to be there. I'm not coming in condemnation. I'm just coming in encouragement and say the best is yet to be for this fellowship. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org.